Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to a very special World Cricket Show Christmas special. Ho, ho, ho. My name is Adam Bayford and I'm your ho, ho, host. Oh. And with me in the studio tonight, it's beginning to look a lot like Tony Kerr. <laughs> it's good. It is special, isn't it? How's it going this week, Tone? Are you feeling suitably Christmassy yet or, uh, or has the ashes spoiled your good time a bit? I mean, the ashes have, have had an effect, certainly. Uh, and kind of listening to Bob Willis last night has kind of, I don't know, equal parts depressed me and cheered me up. So, that's, that's, as I've said before, the upshot of an ashes hammering uh, is boycotting Willis yeah, getting angry. I mean, angry. this is literally the same thing that you yeah, said last week. The, so cut that. We could just do the whole episode. Yeah, can we just do the same episode? I mean, it's a very really similar they, test uh, match. Yeah, so. I really hope they get something out of Perth as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the, the ashes certainly harshed my mellow this week. I mean, it's just been the worst thing ever would you say that's ever happened certainly up there certainly up there it's gonna ruin christmas night as well you think you know like three years ago best christmas ever we had christmas day and it's like oh it's getting towards midnight turn on the boxing day test and england bowled australia out for about 90 well and, and now it, it's gonna be hideous in a way and you know i've talked about it before i am a sucker for nostalgia really uh, even at my tender 20 years <laughs> you know i love a bit of nostalgia i love the way it makes me feel uh and actually this kind of ashes hammering has made me feel like a kid at christmas because essentially that's you know that's what i it's just taking me back to being a uh, a young boy you know getting up early in the morning or early in the morning or staying up way past my bedtime to just to watch us get absolutely humiliated by the aussies i'm imagining you in a kind of dickensian setting <laughs> you know waking up in the workhouse to news of another ashes humiliation <laughs> More, please, please, sir. Please, sir, what's the score? <laughs> That's quite good. Please, sir, can I have the score? <laughs> All out, son. <laughs> All out, my boy. <laughs> I'd like to see you in a Dickensian uh, Well, I was play. off a few parts off the back of this. But <laughs> they said I couldn't do accents. <laughs> you were starring opposite Gilgood in uh, <laughs> the latest production of uh, David Copperfield. Is yeah, it? I'm going to wake up on Boxing Day this year and feel like, I don't know... A, a a kind of teen, preteen, uh, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm probably get a bike for Christmas as well. <laughs> Other kind of things like that that'll make me happy. A new game for your Mega Drive. <laughs> yeah, I've got you'd love Brian that. Lara '95 on the Mega Drive. I'm getting there though, Tane. I'm 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 starting to feel a bit more Christmassy. I, I watched the Charlie Brown Christmas special last night. Now I've just got to watch Die Hard and Home Alone, and then I'm pretty much there. Fairly different films, aren't they? But that, that, that's my Christmas ritual. <laughs> is Christmas a place that you can go to? When you say you'd, you'd be pretty much there, you kind of you've got like that Christmas high. You just arrive there. My train is pulling into Christmas Junction <laughs> as we speak. Uh, I have a major problem with people calling Christmas the big day. 
really annoys me. Who calls it that? Loads of people, surprising number of people. They'll be like, oh, are you all ready for the big day? <laughs> or just two weeks to go till the big day. Do one. I've never heard anyone say yeah. that. Someone says it. Anyway, don't call it big day, Adam. Well, there's only a week to go until the big day, Tone. We had our uh, we had our annual World Cricket Show Christmas photo shoot the other day, didn't we? Did that did that not get you in the mood? It was very Christmassy, wasn't it? We were at a uh, a bleak, empty cricket field. Well, yeah, Guernsey's national cricket arena, the King George V playing fields. Sounds quite sophisticated. But the reality of the it reality in December is <laughs> considerably less so. There's nobody there. It's kind of muddy. And uh, yeah, we went down and did our photo shoot there. If you if you have a look on your phone or iPod screen, you should see that photo there right now. And no doubt you'll probably put it as the cover photo when you're on Facebook. Oh, I'll certainly put it on Facebook in, yeah. in some form, yeah. Put it up tonight. It'll certainly be up by the time people are listening to this. So we've had the Christmas photo, now the Christmas special. You know, I'm doing everything I can to get you into the Christmas <laughs> spirit zone. And we have got a glittering lineup of celebrity guests uh, that are going to be coming out on tonight's show. They're all waiting in the green room. At the moment, I didn't want to spoil it by letting you know in advance, so I'll tell you now. We've got Joe Swash, uh, that bloke off Grand Designs, is going to be here. Your old pal Walliams is going to be coming out and singing a song towards the end of the show, so we're all looking forward to that. That's something to hold on for. Uh, But if there's time, we will also be talking a little bit about cricket. We're going to be dissecting the carcass of another England horror show in Australia, Uh, And obviously saluting the Aussies as well, who have regained the ashes. Uh, But I did just want to mention something before we get into all of that. Now, you might remember we had our 200th episode a few weeks ago. Do you remember that? Do you remember that, Tone? Vaguely. Are you feeling all nostalgic for that? Uh, I am. It was in a a sort of Dickensian setting, wasn't it, that we (laughs) we recorded that episode. Uh, But just before that, you might remember that I hilariously created... Uh, a world cricket show quiz on the website Sporkle, which is just a website full of trivia quizzes, isn't it? And I, I created a "Can you name the world cricket show host?" quiz, and it was absolutely hilarious because there were just <laughs> there were just two things that you had to guess, and um, one was Adam, and the other was Tony. It wasn't even surnames? No, just Adam and Tony. But I'll tell you what, Tony, and this is absolutely true. I just had a look at the uh, statistics oh, gonna... right. for uh, for correct answers on that quiz. Go on. The percentage of Respondents who correctly answered Adam, 98.6. The percentage of respondents who correctly answered Tony, 48.6. Well, I mean, there's two things there, aren't there, immediately that strike strike me. One, it's clearly been gamed by you. <laughs> You're just like, oh, Adam, return. Like, oh, Adam, return, give up. Adam, return, give up. Yeah. Exactly, that's what you've done, isn't it? Or because your name is head of the head of me in the alphabet, or A at least is head of me in the alphabet. Uh, people have just written Adam and they've gone, "Oh, this is the game. This is rubbish." <laughs> yeah. And then quit it. Like, Didn't even need to put there bay foot in. This well, is boring. I don't understand. This doesn't seem like a very difficult quiz, Adam. Oh, this is fucking stupid, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> well, that is. Well, it's either that or it's proof that Adam fans outnumber Tony fans by a ratio of more than two to one. Uh, difficult to imagine. I don't know. Is that a world that you want to live in, Tone? I'll tell you what, it's it's a world where hashtag Team Adam t-shirts will shortly be available (laughs) from cricketshow.net. I think I might have to look long and hard. I'm going to come up with a new marketing campaign for myself, I think, in the new year. New year, new marketing campaign. New slogan. (laughs) What's your current slogan? Well, Every little helps. Tony. It'll have to be something that emphasises my name more than that. Oh, well, that's disappointing news to, to bring me before Christmas, so thanks. <laughs> Ashes. Twas the night before Christmas, 
and all through the house, everyone was deeply depressed because England have lost the Ashes. Australia regained the urn after just 14 days of Test Match cricket with a third consecutive crushing victory at Perth. How about this, Tone? The Ashes, more like the Thrashes. Am I right? Am I right, Tony? Well, I was listening to Wacka Wacka in the, uh, the car earlier, and I thought that should be the name. The Shakira song. Yeah. This time for Africa. Yeah, exactly. Wacka Wacka Hey Hey. Yeah. That one. Yeah. I thought that should be the name of this pod. It's Wacka, isn't it? Because that's the name of the ground, yeah. Perth. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I do. Well, there's a couple of Shakira songs that, that would make my list. I suspect that Shakira would make your list in general. Yeah. You? But you like that song yeah, in particular. Yeah, I do like that song. Well, yeah, so what happened then, Tone, is, uh, is that Australia won the toss for the third time in the series, again elected to bat first, uh, again were in trouble at 143 for five, but recovered through Steve Smith, who made 111, and Brad Haddon, who made 55. They ended up posting 385, and England once again just weren't able to get close to them. They were all out for 251. Uh, Ryan Harris taking three for 48, Peter Siddle three for 36. Australia then came out all guns blazing, rapid centuries from David Warner, 112, and Shane Watson, 103, who took apart England's bowling attack on the fourth morning. and meant that they declared on 369 for six, setting England a notional target of 504. They lost Alistair Cook to the first ball, clean bowled by Ryan Harris for a golden duck. Uh, and although they did put up a, a, a bit of a fight in their second innings, it was too little too late. They were all out for 353. Ben Stokes made 120, terrific knock, but it wasn't enough. Uh, and they lost by 150 runs to hand the Ashes back to Australia. So, Anton Deck, Julia Bradbury, the Shadow Chancellor Ed Balls. Looks like our boys took one hell of a beating. So many statistics to sift through here, Tone. So many horrifying statistics. It's Australia's first Ashes victory in four attempts their first victory in seven years, the last time England lost the Ashes, I was a teenager, a silly teenager. Uh, and now it's happened again. Steve Smith scored his second test century in this game and was named man of the match. In the words of some wag on Twitter, I'm not sure I want to live in a world where Steve Smith is man of the match in a, <laughs> in a test match. Uh, but perhaps the statistic that stands out the most uh, is that Jimmy Anderson conceded 28 runs in an over on that fourth morning, which equals the test record for runs in and over those runs were scored by George Bailey who didn't even have 100 runs to his name in test cricket before that over so yeah all round not great from an English perspective just how painful is this tone just how bitter a pill is this to swallow it's fairly bitter isn't it on the bitter scale I don't how painful it is I don't know the fact that England have won recently three series off the back of that it's it's Possibly less painful than it would have been had we got trance in all of the series. You know, if we if this was now what like it would have been a million series in a row. Uh, yeah, yeah, so like so Australia. Yeah, the fact are so happy about the fact they won the, this series, whereas and Australian fans in particular are. Whereas when England won the series in the summer, as England fans, it was like yeah, that's really cool, but you would sort of got used to it. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Yeah, it's not hurt them. Actually, Australia have played really well, so fair play to them. And on top of that, England have played so abysmally that. At least it gives us. A, um, I'll translate that again. The England have played so abysmally that it uh, kind of gives us something to talk about, at least. That's true. Yeah, because that, if that's the one, I'm sure. we're in dire straits before we're, we're this. We're really we? struggling. I was really struggling to find anything interesting to say about England. I kept going back to the sponsors, saying, "No, we're going to come up with something," but they were thre- <laughs> they were threatening to pull the plug. So that so this is good news 
from a world cricket show perspective, certainly. I mean, yeah, first things first, you've got to say that Australia have been absolutely sensational. I mean, a few months ago, they were on course for arguably their worst year in test history. And now they are finishing it on a, on a, you know, on a dizzying high. How have they turned it around, Tone? Can you explain it? It is hard to explain why this series has been so one-sided. I mean, it, Australia were poor in the summer, really, overall. I mean, they had flashes of, of promise, but they were, overall they were poor. And England, likewise, weren't great, but they were consistently decent. So it's amazing that that kind of flash of promise has completely trounced and overwhelmed consistent decency, if that makes sense. Uh, Not really, but we'll go with it. Do you know it. what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it's hard to explain, isn't it? And the fact that it's been kind of it's so categoric as well uh, and really you've got to look at Johnson and Warner the leading wicket taker and leading run scorer the fact that those two the way they've played the game or the way they play the game and the way they've done it in this series they have blown England away yeah I mean I, I saw someone say oh well if uh, if Johnson and Warner were playing for England England would have won well, which, yeah, which is which probably true but uh, you could say that about any meaningless anything ever couldn't you but you know, it, like Warner has just played so well, and he's scored so many runs so quick, well, so quickly, and likewise Johnson has bowled so quickly, uh, and has already with two tests to go, he's already got twenty three wickets in the series, uh, and he had a dodgy innings in the second test. So I don't know. Yeah, at one point he went something like forty overs without taking a wicket, but he still has twenty three in the series. He's yeah, it's really a dominant performance there, uh, and you know, obviously the the Australian, the rest of the Australian attack has been good as well, but. You know, Johnson and Warner have been the kind of decisive. Well, I think so, players. but I, I don't think you can underestimate the importance of the support that they've had. I mean, as you say, I think in retrospect, it does seem clear that the seeds of this revival were sown in England. You know, they, they sort of worked out plans for England's batsmen. Their bowlers gradually established a hold over them, so that by the end of the series, people like Cook and Pryor hadn't scored a run and must have been wondering whether they were going to score runs in Australia. And Australia sort of figured out their best team over the course of that series, didn't they? And they've used the same 11 players in all three tests so far. And barring injury, you'd imagine that they'll use the same 11 players in all five tests, whereas England have been chopping and changing already. As you say, obviously, Mitchell Johnson has been hugely influential. But I I do think that the entire bowling attack has been phenomenal, including Nathan Lyon. And the thing is that there's just been no release of pressure, whereas... In the summer, England always had an out, didn't they? Because whether it was Stark or Pattinson or Bird, none of them are bad bowlers, but I think England always felt they could get after them a little bit or they could certainly play them with a lot more confidence. But now, you know, with Harris and Siddle keeping it very tight, tightening the noose, and Lyon doing the same, instead of Stark or Bird coming on, it's Mitchell Johnson coming on and he's sort of blowing them away. So it's an extremely good bowling attack. And that has been pretty decisive as have Warner's runs, as you say, and they've been hugely damaging to England psychologically as much as anything else. But I think you could make an argument that uh, Brad Haddon has actually been the most pivotal uh, of all the pivotal players because when you look at it, all three tests so far have played out in remarkably similar fashion. I mean, Australia have won the toss, batted first, and then they've looked to be in danger of being bowled out cheaply. They've been five down with not that many on the board. But on each of those occasions... Brad Haddon has come in and he's posted a score and he's sort of rescued them and he's taken the wind out of England's sails. And he's averaging 65 in this series, which is such a stark contrast to his opposite number in Matt Pryor. And it does seem like, you know, you get England five down there more or less all out, but get Australia five down and, you know, you've still got all your work ahead of you. 
Yeah, like you say, the, the pattern has been really consistent, hasn't it? And, and then Australia have kind of dug the boot in in the second innings and, and scored quick runs. Well, and, well, to be fair, had the freedom to kind of score for quick runs, but done so nonetheless. Had indefinitely a, a key player, but then I guess that the quality of England's batting uh, or lack of also decisive. You know, losing the three tosses isn't ideal. There's no real way around it. I, I don't know. You can't. You can neither make an excuse for it or. It's just it's kind of a it's a limit a limitation of cricket really that someone someone has to bat second. It just so happened that it was England all these yeah, things. Yeah, and and what you'd expect is that it works out so that you know in the three games both teams win the toss at least once, uh, and that hasn't happened. But you know that that happens in cricket, doesn't it? And in the summer, Australia lost a lot of tosses. I mean, you could That's argue just maybe how it works out. yeah. <laughs> Don't we should change like hundreds of years of cricket? tradition off the back of an England mauling but you know obviously you couldn't say in a home series you know the home side will bat first on uh, in matches like one three and five because then pitchers would be prepared to suit that but you could at the start of I don't know the start of a series day one you could draw out of a, draw out of a hat the next five tests I don't know yeah, I mean, you're, you're spitballing ideas I'm just here, throwing you? ideas there out, are you know? no bad ideas though, in, in this sort of meeting uh, but saying that, that is quite a bad idea. But, uh, you know, uh, for someone who's been slightly weary, uh, you know, watching the first day of a test match uh, this winter and every time the toss has gone Australia's way, it's been slightly demoralising. Yeah, I've just been outside. Uh, <laughs> of course, you've missed every <laughs> toss. <laughs> I've just been painting the roof. Uh, yeah, so it has it has been unfortunate from Ringer's perspective that they've lost three tosses, but on the evidence that we've seen so far, if they'd won the toss and batted first, would they have you know, scored enough runs for it to make any difference? It's very difficult to no. say, but it's not like the pitch suddenly got a lot worse in their first innings in any of these three games. So I'm not sure that it, it really has made that big of a difference. And as you say, you know, the Aussies have been fantastic, but they've been made to look good at times by some pretty poor and very poor cricket from England. Has the batting been worse? Has the bowling been worse? <laughs> Arguably, they've been as bad as each I other. Mean, you do, you know, it's definitely get both of them. I mean, it's definitely what? I can't talk. It's definitely. It's definitely. It's definitely what? It's definitely a bet, bet Gotham in. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean. I don't know if Ian Gotham would have been as intimidating a player. <laughs> you know, in terms of people who are prone to making kind of sweeping statements and, and changing their mind. Uh, left, right, and centre. You know, Ian Botham's probably number one, isn't he? Ten nil at the start of the summer. He predicted. You know, some scoffed it. Did you scoff at it? Did, 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 <laughs> did I you scoff at it? it? Um, I did scoff at it a bit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he looks a bit foolish now, but he'll certainly be the one, kind of front of the queue for like clearing the team out as it stands at the moment, which I, which is amusing. What I mean, what do you think? Well, as you say, you know, what's been worse, the batting or the bowling? Uh, I mean, there are cases for probably two or three from each to be to go, really, from each department. I think you can actually answer this question. I think you'd say that the batting has been worse and that the batting has been so bad that it's made the bowling worse because the bowlers haven't had enough rest and the bowlers haven't been bowling with, you know, much scoreboard pressure to back them up. But in the past, in the recent past, that has also happened in recent series that England have played the batting hasn't performed but the bowling has been good enough to bail them out and they just haven't done that this time for whatever reason and it is the senior players in in both departments it's the senior players that are bearing the brunt of the criticism and understandably so because aside from Stuart Broad the bright spots to the extent that there have been any bright spots for England have been the junior players 
not necessarily Joe Root, who I think gets a bit of a free pass from the media. I mean, he's he's made one half century in this series, and that's it. And all the commentators are like, well, you know, Joe Root's having a decent series, can't criticise him. Well, if he was 28, they would be wanting to get rid of him. Uh, but but certainly Ben Stokes has been a bright spot, hasn't he? And to a lesser extent, Michael Carberry, who's junior in terms of test match experience. But literally none of the senior players has performed well. Cook, Anderson, Peterson, Pryor, Swan, the guys that have been so central to England's um, success under Andy Flower, they've just not performed. I mean, Graham Swan's had what I would say is the worst three-test sequence of his career. He's averaging 80 in the series with, even more strikingly, uh, a strike rate of 121, and that's just desperate, isn't it? Oh, it's phenomenally bad. I, yeah, I think there are cases to get move aside for a little bit. Swan, Pryor, Peterson. Because, I mean... You can defend Peterson. I'm a massive fan of Peterson, but really he's been just fairly wretched, isn't he, in terms of responsibility and just using, actually using his brain and his talent to its best of its ability. So you mean that you know, because he keeps getting out to stupid shots, you think that that's evidence of, uh, of him not, not playing for the team or you know, not having the desire for Test cricket so much anymore? Well, it's, it's confusing. I don't, I, when he was interviewed before the series, yeah, he says he wants to play Test cricket for for many more years. He's it's, it's still his favourite thing, and yeah, I completely agree with you. When it when it when his shots come off, people are all too quick to say, you know, all too ready to say, you know, unbelievable player he is and, and kind of what ability he has. But equally, yeah, if you're not in form, and the rest of the team certainly isn't in form, you know, just I don't know, pull it in a bit for. For a little while. You say this, but in the first innings, he got, what, four off the first 44 deliveries or something, and everyone was like, why is he batting so slowly? And when he eventually got out, it was like, it was a very un-Peterson innings. He got bogged down. You know, he can't win anywhere. The, the problem for Peterson is he's out of form, and so he's, he's trying to play the shots that he usually plays, and they're just not coming off. But this thing of, like, oh, what a stupid shot. I, I understand the temptation to say that, and I certainly think it when I first see something like that because it is so frustrating to watch but actually every shot is a stupid shot if you get out to it you know a, a, def- a little defensive prod at one outside off stump if you nick it behind is a yeah, stupid it's shot it's disappointing like the the shot isn't stupid the execution is bad so like Peterson getting out to Nathan Lyon in the second innings just holding out to long on everyone said that was a stupid shot and you know it it didn't look great but and over before, he'd done exactly the same thing, cleared long on and had gone for six. And no one said that was a stupid shot. The only difference is that he executed it better. It's not the choice of shot that's the problem. It's it's the fact that he's not in good enough form to pull it off. So like you say, yeah, well, maybe so it is if, the choice if, of he, shot, then if you're not in good enough form to pull it off, why, why try and pull it off? Because what else is he going to do? The, the problem is that he's just, he's just not the... in form at no. all. And you... When he reins himself in, he's still getting out. He's, he's a good enough player to adjust his just his game to suit the situation and you know I, I agree that I agree that he should be looking to play the big shots because he can and he's, he's that kind of player but equally just following everyone back to the pavilion for for no reason really it's just it's, it's pretty crazy well yeah but yeah it's this thing of like uh you know when someone picks out a fielder in the deep and you say oh that was utterly brainless uh you know I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What, is, what was he trying to do there? He's thrown it away. But if it had gone for six, he'd be saying, oh, what, what a confident shot. You know, this, is, this is what happens. Is that this is cricket. Those are the margins. And yes, field placings matter. So like Peterson chipping Siddle to mid-wicket when there are two fielders placed there for that exact shot. Yes, that is stupid. But I don't have a problem with him attempting to clear long on because if he gets if he gets it right, it, it's very successful. It has been very successful for him in the past. And it's not just Peterson. I mean, Ian Bell copped an earful from some of the commentators in the second innings for getting out, trying to play that upper cut shot and he edged it behind. And it was like, oh, what a stupid shot. But he'd done it three times in the previous few overs and he had gone for four. And unless, as a commentator, you're also going to say that that's stupid because it's risky, yeah, I, I but, don't think you can you can say that. You know, uh, kind of three down for... Well, okay, let's just take this this innings. Like kind of three down for 75 or 100. I don't know. In the situation that England are in this series, you know, avoiding defeat really should have been the priority in this test match from the, from the go. You know, just don't lose... You know, three down for 75. England don't need someone to go in and hit 35, 40 and get out, do they? They need, you know, build an innings first and then play some big shots. I know it's like, it's pretty simple stuff. It sounds simple enough, and it's not, it's not as easy as that. But Peterson did try to do that in the first innings and he just got stuck. And that's what I mean. The, the problem is that he's not in form. If, if he was in form, he'd be, you know, hitting the boundaries that he usually hits and he'd be turning the strike over. But he can't build an innings either way at the moment. So while I agree that he's not playing very well and you can make an argument for dropping him on the basis of him not producing scores, I don't know that you can make an argument for dropping him on the basis that he's throwing his wicket away or he's not playing for the team. I, I don't think that's the problem here. The, the, the manner in which he's getting out isn't concerning me as much as the fact that he's just getting out at all. Well, of course, part of it, I think, is that Australia have caught so superbly all series uh, and England, think back to Carberry's dolly that he drops, it's just, it's kind of, Typified the typified the series from England's perspective. There's, there's critical wickets falling to great catches regularly. So you drop Peterson then is what is what you're saying? Well, possibly, yeah, probably. Would you, would you have a clear out wholesale change? I don't want to go Willis on you, but uh, yeah, they can't not, they can't pick the same team at the start of the next series. It is very difficult, isn't it? Because it's extremely tough to single out any player and say that they should be dropped because none of them can have become bad players overnight and their records up until this series still stand. You know, Graham Swan has had a nightmare three test matches, but he had 57 before that where he was very, very good. Anderson was in the form of his life six months ago. Swan was the leading wicket taker in that series in the summer. So if you were just looking at one individual player who'd had this bad a series, you'd say, well, I stick with him. But it's the fact that they've all had such a bad series England can't keep doing the same thing. It's so difficult no, to I agree. drop them on the basis of three bad games. But because England have collectively been doing so badly, you feel that you have to do something. There does have to be changes, and I agree. They become bad players overnight. But something, something is obviously not quite right there because when you judge the, the, the Australian team and the England team in the start of the series, 
you know, you, you'd have given England the edge probably on, on ability and form, really, to a certain extent. So, and England have certainly been giving a lot of edges in this series. That's am a good I one. right? So, that is uh, good. Am I right? Uh, yeah, so they've obviously not become bad players overnight, but, uh, well, and yes, there's the three Test Series victories behind them. So, in a sense, you, you can see, well, maybe the motivation's dropped off a bit. But if they can't get themselves up for a, a, an Ashes series, you know, it just needs some fresh, I think, some fresh uh, motivation. Yeah, perhaps that is what it is. Uh, I, th- I think they need a break. And again, not a lot of people have a lot of sympathy uh, with England cricketers complaining that they're tired because everyone would like a break from their job sometimes and they don't get one. But they do look jaded. And I, I think it is Ashes cricket, isn't it? I think they this uh, uh, back-to-back series, you know, we didn't think it was a particularly good idea. And certainly from England's perspective, it's turned out to be a very bad idea. Because I, I feel, yeah, they 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 felt they'd they'd had to get themselves up to beat Australia in the summer, and as much as they probably wanted to get themselves up to beat them in the winter, they just they didn't want it as much as Australia did. And for a lot of those senior guys, that has been the problem. So maybe they do need a break, and maybe they need an extended break. I mean, there's only s- seven Test matches for England next year, which are all in the summer at home. The next test isn't until May. Then they'll have a long break at the end of the India series. So there's not that much test cricket coming up for them. So so maybe that will help in the run up to the next Ashes series in 2015. Yeah, I think if you look at the, the kind of the motivational signs, if you like, go back to day one in Brisbane, and, and yeah, England were into Australia on that on that occasion, and Stuart Broad was clearly very up for it, and obviously had a good reason to be up for it because he was getting it. Hell of a lot of stick. So he's uh, Stuart Broad's the only one from England's perspective who's done anything in the series, uh, and probably the only one really who had anything to prove. Get get some people in who, who kind of a bit hungry. I mean, Cook's always got something to prove as captain. So it's worrying that he's been so poor. And the the I mean, it was a great ball from Harris, but that was just depressing, wasn't it? In the, in the second innings in Perth. Yeah. It was a phenomenal was, delivery. I mean, it was a great yeah. delivery, yeah. Ball of the century. And as an Australian fan... It's about, it about the 12th ball of the century we've seen in the last uh, six tests. I mean, maybe they'll have something to prove now. It might be too late to turn it around in this series, but uh, going forward, they may feel uh, this has been so desperate for them and you know they've taken so much criticism. They may feel going forward that they do have something to prove and that might fire them up again for, for, the, for the India series in the summer and for the, the Ashes the following summer. I mean, yeah, for me, I wouldn't make wholesale changes. The one I probably would make, I'd probably drop Matt Pryor at this point uh, because he just doesn't look like getting a score, does he? And and this is, is not just these three tests. The seven before that in the English summer were similar. That wouldn't be the end of his career for me because he's still only early 30s. But I think he does need to go away and get his form back a bit. You know, maybe a bit like Andrew Strauss in 2007. It's not the end of the line, uh, but he can't carry on like this, I don't think. No, you know, we're talking about motivation, though. It is, you know, test cricket does move quite slowly. You know, there's not that many games a year. You, you know, once you've got your, your place, you kind of, you t- you, if you don't completely mess up, you tend to hold on to it. Uh, for Prize is 31. Though. Yes, he's got a few years left, but if he goes out of the test side for a year, you know, has he got the motivation to come back in? And get, I know it's his career, but could well play county cricket, you know, and earn decent money. So it's not like it's not like he's got to give up cricket entirely. But yeah, would the motivation be there to come back? And you know, he's won Ashes series. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'd, I'd question that. Well, I know what you're saying there, but a, a good example, you know, against that idea 
is Brad Haddon, who was dropped, was out the side for a year. But then at an older age than Pryor and has come back and, and done what he's done. But then Haddon had something to prove, didn't he? He was involved in losing Ashes teams. Well, so is Pryor now. Well, he is now, isn't he? But well, okay, I see what you mean. If but this Haddon is the end of his ha- career, Pryor is going to feel like he's got something to prove. It will tarnish his legacy if this is the end. Yeah, well, we're talking about motivation. You know, it's, it, it's perhaps no surprise that the Aussies were so up for it. You know, a lot of them had taken a lot of stick and, and not been not been involved in winning teams. Clearly, that's not a, a particularly Australian trait when it comes to cricket. Well, Michael Clark is the only member of this side to have won an Ashes series before. So yeah, I, I think I would drop prior at this point. But the problem for England and the problem for all these people calling for wholesale changes is that the squad that they've picked for this tour perhaps isn't as strong as it could be. And this is something that we discussed at the time that it was announced. I'm not sure that the selectors actually did a very good job in selecting the squad. And, you know, people who have been coming up to me insisting on talking about the Ashes, uh, many of them have been saying, oh, why the hell didn't they pick Finn or Rankin or Tremlett in Perth? But I just don't think that they had a choice. I mean, those three have been desperately poor on this trip so far. And to me, it's not that unpredictable that that would be the case. You know, when when the squad was selected, I think we said, why have they chosen these bowlers as backup? Why have they left Graham Onions out? And there's also no proper backup wicketkeeper in the squad. Now, no one was expecting Matt Pryor to be this bad. I can say I dropped Pryor at this point, but do I really want Johnny Bairstow to replace him? I'm not sure that I do. I've got, you know, Bairstow possibly might become good enough as a test batsman, but I'm not sure he's he's good enough as a test Gloveman, I'd want Steve Davis or Chris Reid or possibly Joss Butler to replace Pryor, but they're not in Australia. Uh, and nor is not Nick Compton and nor is Graham Onions, as I say. So you can say, let's make wholesale changes, but who's going to come in and are they going to do any better? Going forward, perhaps, but in these two games, I don't know. It's been a long time since Pryor did anything meaningful with the bat, isn't it? So- Auckland. He, he made that 100 in Auckland to save that game. Ten test matches have gone by since then and he's made one half century. Prior not being there in the same way has caused an enormous problem for England's lower order because I think Prior did do a hugely unappreciated job in batting with the tail. You know, England's lower order was so productive for such a long time, but they did often have Prior there to bat with them and to shepherd them and to you know build partnerships with them. And they don't have that anymore. And the lack of runs from the lower order in this series has been pretty glaring and it has been a huge problem and you know, not to keep banging on about this because we have talked about it the last couple of weeks, but it is really important, I think. And to an extent, England's bowlers haven't had a problem getting through Australia's top six. Uh, I mean, yeah, Clark and Warner have been fantastic, but aside from that, before Shane Watson's century in the second innings in Perth, he had 97 runs in five innings. Uh, Bailey's averaging 34. Rogers is averaging 26. If you ignore Smith's 100, he's scored 75 runs from five innings. Getting through the top five has not been a problem, but it's it's from number seven downwards where Australia have really held the edge, and that's Haddon, but it's also Johnson and, and um, Harris, etc. as well. And in contrast to that, England have just been getting blown away time and again. And you know this is something that Duncan Fletcher used to talk about a lot, isn't it, is how important it is that your numbers 8, 9, 10 and 11 can all bat a bit, and he often got ridiculed for that belief. Yeah, but I mean, he is key. right to an extent, isn't he? It's key to to kind of the on pitch morale and momentum and everything, isn't it? It really can really frustrate teams. And likewise, it's it's at the end of the day, it's crucial runs that are going to make a big difference. So England have got a week now 
to get themselves up for the Boxing Day test. In some ways, I guess these tests seem uh, pretty pointless, uh, given that they're 3-0 down. But another way of looking at it, perhaps, is that it's 3-all on aggregate. Is there any way that England could get that crucial away goal in Melbourne? (laughs) God knows. Uh, Well, you'd you'd think no, wouldn't you? On the back of... You know, the evidence is is suggesting no. Uh... Yeah, on on Sky's Ashes verdict, they said that the 5-0 whitewash before the series was 100 to 1 against is now I think 7 to 4 on. Yeah. Staggering. My favorite bit of Ashes verdict was Bob Willis saying sack Swan. Just sack him. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh and mate, he was like yeah, we should make Joe Root open as if Joe's like no, I don't really want to open those. <laughs> open Joe. I was I said you'd open. Oh, I need to open. I mean, they're going to have to win the toss to start off with. So they're already up against it. I mean, you can't see it, can you? They probably will now. Here's one for you, Tane. Cook's, Cook's a bit of a useless tosser, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. On fire tonight. Yeah. That's actually not in the script. I just, <laughs> just came up with it. Uh, I don't know. No. Can't see it. You think 5-0? <sighs> I want to think not, but it is on. It's very much on. Well, yeah, there's... There's one possibility, which is that Australia will take their foot off the gas now because, you know, mission accomplished. Uh, they might just ease back a little bit and England will, might pick themselves up. Maybe a few changes, players with points to prove. They could possibly win one of these two games. The other possibility is that England are just England gone are too now. bad. They've given up. Mm. And, you know, you know in Australia once you get a taste of runs or a taste of wickets, you just want to gobble them up, don't you? There's blood in the water. Yeah. Blood in the water, man. Uh, you know, the Aussies are going to want to put on a show for, for the rest of the, the, the series. They're not paying public to impress. So, yeah, I don't know. It's all pretty depressing. <laughs> Bring on the ADIs. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, where, that's, the real, that's the real quiz. Real cricket. Real cricket, one day cricket. Proper cricket, that, isn't it? ODIs. Much like Christmas, the World Cricket Show Christmas special is something that you look forward to for ages. And then it happens and you do have a really good time. But by the end, it starts to drag, and eventually you just can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> I'm definitely in the stage, if this was Christmas Day, I'd be on the sofa sleeping right now. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you'd like to be. Oh, yeah. I'm hungry as well. Just sticking on Michael McIntyre's Christmas <laughs> rage tree. <laughs> Whacking that on. Finally, something funny. Another Christmas then, Tone. Another year older, and a new one just begun. If I can just coin a line there. <laughs> Another year older, and a new one just begun. I hate that song. Have I told you how much I hate that song? Which song's that? It's uh, Happy Christmas, War Is Over by oh, John Lennon. Right. Yeah. That and Imagine. People like John Lennon, what a, uh, what a visionary, what a philosopher. If you actually read the lyrics to Imagine, it's sick form. Yeah, it's quite basic. Do you know what I mean? Imagine there's no countries. Big cool. And no war. Let's not have any war, guys. Like when Culture Club wrote... War, war is stupid and people are stupid. Everyone laughed at them. But John Lennon is like, oh. You want war? What a philosopher. Do you want war? No, but just saying. Controversial (laughs) end to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Hashtag more war. No, just, I don't know, just Lennon saying, oh, let's not have any more war, guys. People are like, yeah, that's so so profound. (laughs) so right. I hadn't thought about that. So profound. Uh, so what, like, what are you going to be doing in the build up to Christmas have you done your shopping yet I've actually done most of it yeah in yeah. fact I think I've done all of it ready for the big day I think uh, yeah. <laughs> the big day is not far away I, uh, I think I'd finished my Christmas shopping by the first week of December time wow can you believe that 
ruthlessly organised. Needless this year. to say, I've not started it yet, but you know, <laughs> just waiting for that late instrument. That's the difference in our characters. <laughs> That's why we get along so yeah. well with the original odd couple. Uh, uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, we'll start that at some point. In the so next you've not got days. anything for me, is what you're saying? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Okay. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. That'll be, be uh, to see. Uh, well, I'm actually off to Paris for a couple of, of days. Very nice. Very nice. Flying back on Christmas Eve. Which is arguably cutting it a little bit well, fine. It's, yeah, it's nice, isn't it? It's kind of like the movies. So, uh, everyone's travelling on Christmas Eve, if you believe the movies. So. Yeah, I've actually... Uh, I'm, I'm going to be travelling in a van with a polka group. Sitting next to John Candy on the plane, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's me, John Candy and Catherine O'Hara. And we're trying, <laughs> trying to get back to Guernsey <laughs> for Christmas. To Guernsey. Will you make it? Um, yeah, but no, I do... I, I, I fear... But this is... I overthink things because... I'm really looking forward to going to Paris, but there's this nagging feeling at the back of my mind. I'm going to miss my connection back to Guernsey and I'm going to end up spending Christmas in the Yotel, uh, which I don't know if that's what uh, I want to do. Are you flying to get direct from Guernsey to Paris? No, I'm, I've got to go through London. You get in the train? No. So double flight? Two flights, yeah. Plenty to go wrong in I've that. also got yeah, to get lots, across town. Lots of room for I've error. I've got to get across town from Heathrow to Gatwick in about an hour and a half. Bags of time. To make my connection. Bags of time. But if I miss it, that's the last flight of the day, and I will literally have to have... I mean, well, there's no I'm, flights on Christmas Day. I have to wait till Boxing Day, and I will be in the hotel. Well, I'm sure London correspondent Gordon McRae would take you in. Although he's likely to be back in Guernsey. <laughs> he's in Guernsey. So he went to... You can go and listen in his cold, okay. empty flat. Okay, let myself into his flat. Yeah. Oh, you find God. someone. Desperately depressing. Anyway, so yeah, hopefully that all works out okay but yeah so there's going to be no show next week for obvious reasons uh, but we will be back after melbourne uh, to talk about that and we will also believe it or not be discussing non-ashes things then as well india are playing cricket absolutely yeah them. i realize that we've been pretty ashes centric on this show for quite a long time now uh, apologies for that but you know uh, well, you know what we're gonna do I'm happy to go ashes free in the next episode if you want. <laughs> no real need to carry that on. That sounds all right to me. Well, yeah, India and South Africa are playing this test series now, aren't they? It's just started in uh, Johannesburg. Well, were India five down at the end of day one. Quite a century a, for Kohli. Century yeah. for Kohli. Really good knock. Cracking day of test cricket, actually. I watched quite a bit of it. Better than the Ashes. It was exciting, yeah. It was better than well, the Ashes. Well, I'm planning to keep an eye on as well. India playing five tests in England in the summer. Absolutely, yeah. Huge series, really. Yeah, so uh, we'll be talking about that next week and Melbourne. Uh, but between now and then, if you'd like to get more involved in the World Cricket Show, you can. Uh, first things first, you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. Click the like button there. Uh, check out the World Cricket Show advent calendar. I'm posting a video every day, just a little cricket video. Pop your real advent calendar chocolate in your mouth. Watch the video. So have a look at that. In fact, you're actually going to have to take over that time when I'm in Paris. I will. Do you think you can handle that? I think I can. Big it's, it's a big responsibility. There's a lot of people depending on you. Uh, but yeah, so so check that out. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I am at Cricket Show. Tony is at Tony Cover, T O N Y C V R R. Write an email if you feel like doing that. Show at gmail.com. You can find all of this stuff on our website, which is cricketshow.net. Uh, and perhaps if you're feeling generous, if the Christmas spirit takes you, uh, why not write a review for us on iTunes? A little Christmas present from you to us. Uh, we do really appreciate all of those. Uh, but that's it for this week. I think we need to get out of here, Tone. My jaw is hurting. Are you aware of this? I've got uh, jaw pain. Have you? Yeah. Well, I don't know why I said, are you aware of this? I don't know what how from? you'd be aware of this. It's just ongoing. 
I've got this it's like bruxism, it's called. And it's because I clench my jaw and grind my teeth and have done for the last like 20 years of my life. Why? And then I, it started hurting a little while ago and I went to the dentist. He's like, oh, yeah, that's really bad. You shouldn't be doing that. He's like, yeah, the, the, the damage is pretty severe. I was like, oh, good wow, stuff. Wow, severe. So I've got this, uh, it's called a bite plate, which I have to put in. Uh, <laughs> detailed medical. <laughs> yeah. What other conditions have you got? Perhaps, uh, perhaps your insurers would be interested to know. Informing the listeners of my ailments. <laughs> yeah. Privacy, online privacy in the 21st century. Uh, but I, yeah, I have to put it in when I go to bed to stop me grinding my teeth wow. at night. And it's, I hate what, it. Is that stress related, is it? You just stressed at no, me. Well, I don't think <laughs> to relax. It could be, yeah. It could, could be. be. I mean, it coincides with the way we met. I think. I was gonna say, <laughs> the last twenty years of my life almost precisely coincides with how long I've known you. Before then, you were just happy-go-lucky, <laughs> no grinding. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I have to wear that. I've only had it the last week or so, and I, uh, I paid for it the day I had to settle the bill. I'll tell you what, <laughs> dentistry not cheap. It's like the. the they're just like, yeah, and that comes to one holiday, actually. So <laughs> yeah. You just pay for that. And then I, I joked. I joked to somebody, because I'm a jokester. Oh, well, uh, at least I know my dentist is going to have a good Christmas. And I literally saw him <laughs> in town that evening buying just things. Huge bags. <laughs> yeah. just, another shopkeep, another Fabergé. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, well, I, I tried to say hi as well, and he didn't, he didn't want to know me. Make sure you pack your the bite plate. You don't want to be stuck in the hotel on Christmas Day. <laughs> Will out yeah. Oh god, if I'm stuck in the hotel on Christmas night and England are collapsing in Melbourne, that's going to be probably the low point of my life. Just gonna have Christmas Day and walkabout or something. <laughs> just I don't know. Just fight, fight back. Gonna get in their face. Get in an Aussie's face. Find <sighs> your nearest Aussie and get in their face. Just get in his face. Uh, Perhaps we can say that to all of our listeners as a Christmas message. Find your nearest Aussie and get in his or her face. Yeah, up in their grill face, up in their bike plate. (laughs) Well, stay in school then, boys and girls. Have a good Christmas. Merry Christmas from all of us here at the World Cricket Show. Merry Christmas to all, and to all, over to you, Tane. Compliments of the season. That's not how it goes. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.